My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We're told in the book of Genesis that such was the story of heaven and earth as they were created. At the time when Yahweh God made earth and heaven, there was as yet no wild bush on the earth, nor had any wild plant yet sprung up. For Yahweh God had not sent rain on the earth, nor was there any man to till the soil. Instead, water flowed out of the ground and watered all the surface of the soil. <coughs> this is the first reading chosen for the Mass of our Father. And today we celebrate his birthday. It's a special day in the family of Opus Dei, a particular day on which to ask our Father for special things, for the apostolate, for our own interior life, for our family, for all the little things that we may need. I would like to have. We know our father has a special ear for all of his children. It's also a day to look back at the figure of our father. With time, his fear grows bigger and bigger. We come to hear new things about him, or we get graces to understand a little more the mission that he fulfilled, <clears throat> or we come to understand in a greater way the the role the prelature of Opus Dei has to fulfill in the history of the church. Or from the different books we may read about the history of the work, we see the unprecedented way in which it has spread all over the world, reaching so many millions of people. And so our supernatural family is something very special. And that helps us to, to see the very special person that our father was and very special saint. There was an anecdote told about our father when he died and we were gathering testimonies of people. And one of the main architects in Velatevre, Don Jesus Cathapo at the time, went to contact a lot of the people who had worked on the project of Velatevre over the years, in the building and different aspects of construction and maintenance. They had met our father and all of them remembered how our father had treated them. They all felt very well treated, treated with great respect and dignity and appreciation. It was a small little anecdote. But all these little anecdotes that we hear <coughs> about our father, small as they may be, they all serve to shed light on this great personality that God chose to be the founder of Opus Dei. And so the feast of the birthday of our father revives in each one of our hearts, the presence and the memory of our father. Then I would like to say that we will always be living in the times of our father. He's not just a past memory. Everything that he said, everything that he did has a constant relevance for us. And we can thank our Lord that his figure and his teachings are well ingrained in the souls of each one of us. 
And while that may be the reality, it's also a work in progress. We will always need to have his figure and teachings more and more ingrained in the souls of each one of us. So that we come to be more opus day with the passage of time. Numerary, supernumerary, associate, assistant numerary, in whatever capacity that we may be called. <clears throat> I have to be better. I have to be the person that our Father wants me to be. The message that our Lord gave him to give to the world continues to spread to the apostles of all his children in wider circles each time. And we are very much part of that. God has counted on each one of us to be in a certain place at a certain time to give witness to the message that our Father came to give the world with our words and with our actions, with our daring, with our apostolic outlook, with our holiness. And the lovable and heroic virtues of our Father shine more and more before the eyes of the world and make him an attractive model to follow Christ. We like to say that Christ is the only model but he's our pathway to that model. A very special intercessor to whom we can turn with confidence so that he speaks to God for us. He will always have something to say to us. Everything he said, everything he did. Because the Holy Spirit is working through him all the time. And as we grow in our vocation, well, hopefully we come to appreciate a little more his heroic correspondence to the grace of God. Something that we have to try and imitate. And that heroic correspondence made it possible for the work of God and the supernatural vocation of each one of his children to come about. And so we owe him a great debt of gratitude. There's a phrase in St. John that says, in the letter of St. John, no greater joy can I have than this, to hear that my children follow the truth. No greater joy can our Father have in heaven than to see that we live the spirit that he has given to us, the spirit that he gave his life to make it clear and relevant in every aspect of our life. And I'd like to say that Every time that we fulfill some little aspect of our spirit, the morning offering or the expense account or our apostolic plans or whatever it may be, or give a fraternal correction, all that makes our Father go higher in heaven because that increases his fruitfulness. And when we, by the grace of God, see new apostolic works growing around us, Things that our Father did not see on this earth, while well, we know that he sees them from heaven. That his life and his correspondence have given rise to an immense fruitfulness, possibly an unprecedented fruitfulness in the history of the church. And birthdays are good occasions on which to give presents. 
and the best presents that our Father might ask of us is a greater generosity and correspondence in the struggle of each day. We know that our Father constantly looks out for each one of his children. He watches over us. He continues directing the work from heaven. You've probably heard the story of the Argentinian pilot who had to bail out of his plane sometime during the Falklands War. And he found himself in the South Atlantic, bobbing around in the water with his life jacket. Member of the work, he remembered that everybody in Opus Dei prays a memorare for the person who needs it most. As he was there in the South Atlantic, no land in sight, he thought to himself, well, I must be the person in Opus Dei who needs it most. And he got great consolation from that idea that so many people are praying a memorare for me today. But then there also came to his mind that, well, our father never gave anything to anybody without them working for it. And so if I want a favor of our father to get out of this situation, I better do what's there in my part to do. I better start swimming. He didn't know which direction to swim in, but he chose one direction and he swam in that direction. And so he lived to tell the tale. <clears throat> and so our father is watching out for each one of us. He continues to direct the work from heaven in, in every way. Don Alvaro and Don Javier, in their great humility, often made reference to that fact, that we are just his instrument. And our father obtains from each one of us inspirations from the Holy Spirit. And he acts as the loudspeaker of those inspirations. Helps us to hear them better, to see it clearer. Maybe helps us to go a little further along our pathway, to launch out into the deep a little more, to respond to those gentle urges that our Lord may give us, to give ourselves a little more. <clears throat> One time Don Federico Suarez was asked by our father to write something about Our Lady, and he produced 20 pages on Our Lady. If we were to write something about Our Lady, well, we might produce five or maybe six or maybe four. He produced 20. And then our father read it, and he said to him, well, I think you could do a little better than this. Why don't you try again? And so he produced 100 pages, and that was made into the book, Mary of Nazareth. And so from being pushed a little more, stretched a little more, he produced something of great value for so many people in the world trying to seek out their vocation. Our father had special graces to be able to do special things. There's a story told that one time he went shopping in Rome with two architects that were there at the time. They went to an antique dealer and they were looking for little items of decor for the center. And on this occasion, they didn't succeed in buying anything. They went to a, an antique shop that they'd been to many times before. They knew the, the, the owner, the proprietor, the person who worked there. But when they went home, our father said to the people who were with him that something wasn't right. 
There was something about this man that was not the same as before. My father sensed that there was a problem, but he didn't know what it was. And so we asked one of them to call the antique dealer and asked, well, is everything okay? And the dealer says, well, no, actually, my wife is very sick in hospital. And so I'm very concerned about her. It was an example of how our father connected with people and was very sensitive about little things that might not be quite what they should be in their life, little problems that they may have. If our father was like that in his life, well, imagine how much more active and sensitive they may be in heaven with all the little concerns that we might have about family members or professional matters or apostolic concerns or a whole pile of other things. When we look back at our father's life, well, we see an incredible fruitfulness. In that book, The Canonical Path of Opus Day, it gives a number of statistics which are very interesting. In 1946, there were four priests of Opus Day. In 1950, just four years later, there were 23, with 46 preparing, 11 of those in Rome. Having started Opus Day in the late 30s, early 40s in Madrid, in 1950, there were 100 centers all over Europe. And so you look at these statistics and you see an incredible growth in a very short period of time. And if all those people were coming to the work, our father, Don Alvaro, had the, the great challenge and burden of forming them, of helping them to persevere, of giving them spiritual formation, helping them in all sorts of ways. And so when we look back at these things, we see the, well, the way that our father must have had to work and to plan and to solve the problems. Only Christ proposes himself as full authority as a model for men. Only he is the perfect image of God the Father. But there are so many graces contained in his sacred humanity there are numerous ways of being conformed to Christ. And when God wants to open up new pathways in the church, the paraclete showers graces on the person chosen, which allows him to fulfill the mission that has been entrusted to him. And so it's as though our father saw the development of the work over time, what it meant for the church and for humanity were involved in something immense. I remember <clears throat> a new cooperator in the Philippines telling me how he didn't understand everything about Opus Day, didn't know everything about it, but he said, I know I'm involved in something great. And that gives me a great joy and pride in my life. Well, we have the, the wonderful task of helping many people to be participants in something great, the great supernatural family that God has called us to. And those very gifts, very special gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to our Father, 
were what moved him to work unceasingly from October 2, 1928, with the goal of opening up a new and deep furrow in the field of God, which is the church, which was to have infinite consequences. And the holy life of our founder well, constitutes a clear example for us of how each one of us has to travel along that pathway of sanctity and apostolate to which we have been called. And so there are many lights for us in that life of our father. We have to try and read about him, be attentive to little anecdotes that we hear about him here and there, know the history of our family, of the canonical path, which in many ways is very much associated with the life of our father. And through the means of our divine vocation to Opus Day, all of us participate in this very special grace of our founder, which moves us to carry out that commandment of Christ with divine help. Be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect in the specific way that is proper to us. And so in faithfully imitating our father in corresponding loyalty to, loyally to the spirit that God gave him, we walk along the pathway of imitating Christ. And we point it out clearly to those who come after us, in our family, in our neighborhood, in our profession, in our office, in our farm, wherever we may be, God has a plan for us there. And so our father will never remain as just a simple historic memory. He'll always be a perennial example. We can always seek his help as an effective intercessor before the Blessed Trinity. He is and always will be our father to whom we can try to be similar and to whom we can try to talk each day making a greater effort to intensify this spiritual similarity. And with that, we have a great responsibility, a blessed responsibility of transmitting our spirit of filiation so the people who come after us can see how we love our Father, how we pray to him, how we ask him for things, how his life and our life is like a great light. It's the way to, for us to have a strong foundation in Christ and in the gospel. And so God has given us a great treasure in our Father. If you knew the gift of God, we're told in scripture. And so our Lord has given us a great gift, a gift that we have to try and appreciate a little more all the time. And so we could ask ourselves, well, how could I struggle to be more like our father all the time? And they get together many years ago. Don Alvaro told the people how when he goes to confession, one of the things he always accuses himself of is any times of negligence when he could have been a greater help to our father, a greater support, a better son of his of how we could have corresponded better to that responsibility of filiation. 
very refined point on which to accuse yourself. But that's something we all have to ask ourselves. We meditate on the always actual example of what our Father has left us. Do I know how to give myself more without holding anything back? The fulfillment of the price, precise will of God for me in Opus Day. Realizing that there is something there for me in every circle, in every retreat, in every annual course, in every fraternal collection. That's how I try to be more Opus Day each day. And to better develop the special characteristics of the spirit which God transmitted to our founder. And in that process, where we have all of the writings of our Father to look to, to go to again and again, some of them in our native language, others in other languages, but mostly more and more accessible to all of us, we have to sort of gravitate there more and more, read more of the things that our Father wrote, or the Lamar wrote, or the Javier wrote, <clears throat> to bathe ourselves in this spirit. And bring to our personal prayer more frequently the vocation to which he corresponded in each second so that we see how I also have to respond. One very good sign of this is to increase our true filial devotion to ask him for things, to turn to him in all sorts of moments. There was somebody once who was out jogging and they were jogging and then a bee flew into their eye and stung them. And they woke up in hospital. And they said, all I remember is that I was jogging and then this bee came and I just shouted, Father, Father, Father. There may be many moments of crisis in our life or emergency when we turn to our Father with that same filial plea. Help me in this situation. Solve this problem. And we can try to pass that spirit on to other people also. Devotion to our Father is a magnificent apostolic weapon that our Lord has given to us. When we give someone a prayer card of our Father, well, very often we, we do them the favor of their lives. We introduce them to one of the most powerful saints in heaven and who with our own personal experience has done great things for our soul and for the souls of many others, as well as many great favors. And if we bring to our prayer frequently the deeds and the words of our Father, we learn an awful lot. We never stop learning. There will always be deep lights for us there. His example will go deep into our soul. And we'll draw lights that will guide us throughout our whole life. In that way, we'll never forget his teachings. Then Alvaro liked to say that I don't want to place myself as a, a model, but I can assure you that all that I heard from our father will never be removed from my mind. A good question to ask ourselves sometimes is, but how would our father do this? How would he approach this problem? I heard a story from a supernumerary in Chile 
that at one stage there was a communist government in Chile and some supernumeraries were getting together to see if they could start a school. But they were doubtful about whether this was the right moment with the communist government, anything could happen. Everything was ready, they were ready to go, but there were these doubts. And that businessman happened to make a business trip to Europe and he went to see our father. And he put this dilemma before our father and said, Father, we're ready to go, start this school, but we don't know if this is the right moment. We have these fears of the communist government, all the things that might happen. My father said, my son, the time for going forward in any apostolic undertaking is now. And so with that, he went back to Chile, communicated it to the other members of the development board. And today, I think they have many schools in Chile and a university. Everything went forward. And so our father has an answer for every dilemma in our life, particularly answers for apostolic undertakings. And so we can always turn to him. He's been through it. There is no situation that we can pass through in our life, but our father has not been there before. That's why he's written down so many things. If you look at the chapter on pessimism in the forge, you'll find our father went through some very low moments because God wanted him to write about those moments. So that any child of his that might be going through a low moment in their life would know how to sanctify those moments. And we come to realize that this is part of my pathway to holiness. And therefore at the time of great spiritual bonanza, it's not a contradiction or anything that says something negative about their spiritual life or their vocation, quite the opposite. It's all part of the journey. Our Father lets us look a little deeper into our soul, to examine our conscience a little better. He might point out to us that frequently, almost without realizing it, our intention might not be as good as we would like it to be, or as it should be. We might find that we could put more love into our professional tasks. tasks. We might see that our Lord expects more self-giving from us, or a greater spirit of faith in our apostolate. We have to try and let our Father work in our soul, allow him to act in our soul in grace so that he can bring about resolutions of a deeper humility, of a greater self-giving and a more committed fidelity. I remember one time in Rome on the feast of St. Joseph on March 19th, one particular person asked Don Alvaro to talk about St. Joseph. And Don Alvaro turned and said, thank you for asking that question. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about St. Joseph. How much our father loved to talk about St. Joseph. Our father had a sort of a spiritual sweet tooth. And it came particularly sweet and rich when he was able to talk about the Holy Patriarch. How happy our father would be to know that this coming year, we have a year of such tremendous joys in focusing on the foster father of Jesus, the custodian of Mary, of so many beautiful virtues that we see in this father who built up family life, 
who gave himself so generously, who was so humble, so silent, so effective, so influential, so manly. He'd be so happy to know that each one of us has the opportunity during this year to grow in our love of St. Joseph. The person to whom he wants us to entrust the commitment of our vocation, a commitment of love. We can try to imitate our father's life like good children. It was a life dedicated to embroider a marvellous work in God's honour. And in spite of all of this, he felt bad. Because he felt that he should have been even more generous. And we know, well, he did everything he could. He said to our Lord sometimes in his prayer, Lord, I don't know what more to do. I do everything for you that I can. To our lady, he said, show me what you want me to do. Show yourself to be a mother and don't say to me, show yourself to be a son because I've tried to do everything. And if there's something more you want me to do, well, show it to me and I will do it. That means that when we have to imitate our father, well, we shouldn't shy away in those moments. Help me to face up to those moments with fortitude, with generosity. Our father never liked us to go halfway along the course. He didn't like half measures. To think of the impact of the importance of our example and fidelity throughout the centuries. We're not here to betray the work that our father has done. Don Alvaro said, I have used a strong word, but I don't retract even a letter of it. We can't content ourselves, he said, with being rose water, but rather we have to aspire to be the pure essence. And so on this special day, we can turn to Our Lady, Mother of Opus Day, and thank her for the great gift of our Father's life, and ask her that through her maternal graces, we may come to be the child of our Father that he wants each one of us to be. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.